It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hi, this is Andy. I have a special offer for loyal listeners of Accelerate. It's a no-obligation, free trial of my zero-time selling interactive online training. Now, I've worked with thousands of sales reps to teach them how to use my zero-time selling to boost their productivity and transform the results. And so if you want to learn the same proven strategies to help you open more doors, have more effective sales conversations with prospects, and close more orders, then my zero-time selling interactive training system is a fit for you. It's incredibly simple to start. Just take out your smartphone and text the word TRUST, that's T-R-U-S-T, to 96000. Now, do you have your phone ready? You're going to text us, send a text to 96000. That's a nine and a six followed by three zeros. Now, enter the single word message TRUST and hit send, and you hear right back from me with instructions on how to sign up for your free trial on my zero-time selling interactive training. I look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. I couldn't be more excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Tom Ziegler, CEO of Ziegler Inc. Tom, welcome to the show. Andy, it's great to be here. I'm excited. Well, good. Well, I'm excited as well. So everybody's sort of familiar with the last name of Ziegler, but I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself. You bet. Well, of course, my father uh, was Zig Ziegler. He passed away three years ago. Uh, he lived a rich and full life, and we estimate that in his life, he impacted over 250 million people around the world. Oh, I would think. I would yeah. think. I saw him speak myself. I saw him in person. <laughs> millions of books sold. You know, millions of people he spoke to live, and of course, uh, we've got a we've got downloads in the in the tens of millions. So it just goes on and on and on, and you'll never meet anyone more blessed than me. Uh, for the legacy he left and for what we get to do as a business, how we get to help people uh, be more successful in their personal, family, and professional lives. I mean, I just couldn't ask for anything better than what I have. So did it feel preordained for you that you were going to follow in your father's footsteps, or was there ever a chance like you thought, okay, I don't want to do that? Well, I'll tell you two things. Uh, First off, uh, a lot of times I'll ask an audience that I'm speaking to, have you ever met a born salesperson? And of course, most people will say no because you know we know that that salespeople are you know they're trained, they're, right. you know. And I said, well, you've met a born salesperson now, and the reason <laughs> I know that is because I was born February first, nineteen sixty-five, and on February second, nineteen sixty-five, there was a birth announcement in the newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina, that Dad put in that said John Thomas Ziegler, a salesperson or a salesman, was born February 1st. I love it. I love it. So dad dad made it real clear to me. He said, you know, I'm not saying that he has to be a, a salesperson. In fact, I don't care whether he sells cars or he sells insurance. It doesn't matter at all what he sells. So uh, the sales world has always been kind of my first love and, and, and what I was involved in. But to answer the question truthfully and honestly, Dad always said this. He said to me and my sisters, he said, uh, whatever you do, do with 100% effort and 100% integrity. And so because of that, I had the freedom to go out and do whatever I wanted to do. I just ended up here because I love it. 
So, yeah. And so, what if you can remember, what was the first sales lesson you remember learning from your father? Oh, the first one, uh, boy, this was before, I, you know, long before I started work. Um, he, we were talking about our business, you know, his business and everything. And he said, son, do you know what we sell? And I said, no. And he said, we sell hope. And that has always stuck with me. And a lot of times, no matter what we sell, no matter what product or service we offer, we get all wrapped up in the features of it or what it is rather than the reason, the why behind somebody wants it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's always struck me. That was, that was the, the first real lesson uh, that he taught me is we, we sell hope. It's not, a, it's not paper. It's not tape on a cassette. It's, it's not an event. It's a seminar. It is a belief and a dream and a promise and a plan of a better life, and here's how you get there. And that's a powerful thing because when you have hope, then you're willing to take action. Right. That without hope, you don't take action. Very interesting. So there have been a lot of changes in sales over the last, well, continuously over over a period of decades. But you know, it seems like it's been very pronounced with you know the impact of the internet and so on. So what have been? You know, has sales really fundamentally changed? I would say it is fundamentally has not changed at all and yet everything appears to have changed and i'll give you my example sure i'll go back to my very first sale when i first started working for the company uh i worked my way up from the warehouse to production and then i made the sales team and i got a full week of sales training it was unbelievable uh you know every product every service it was in depth and it was intense and this was phone sales and so then you get turned loose, right? And you get your first phone call. So I pick up the phone, I answer it, and there's a man, and he must have been ancient. I thought he must have been at least 60 years old. Right? <laughs> no, don't say that, please. <laughs> I know. I was, what, I was 23, right? So, right. And, he, and he gets on, I introduce myself, and he says this. He says, Tom, uh, I need your help. My daughter and son-in-law are having a difficult time in their marriage. My son-in-law is a great guy. He's a dentist. He just opened up his own practice. He's under a lot of debt, you know, because he had to finance the whole thing. And he said, they got three kids under five. So they're going through the new marriage strain, the debt strain, and the kids strain all at once. What kind of materials, back then it was cassette tapes and books, and, and what kind of materials do you have that you could send to them that would help them in this time? And I started to explain, and he said, don't say anything. Here's my American Express card number. Just send them whatever you think they need. Let's pray. That was my first sale. Huh. Very interesting. And so here's the reality. I had nothing to do with that sale. Right. That sale was 100% reputation and trust. Right. And so that is the thing that has never changed is if we're going to build a career in sales, our trust, our reputation, our integrity is the thing that we've got to guard more than anything else. We're good friends with Seth Godin. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he says is he doesn't focus on revenue. He doesn't focus on profit. He focuses on the scalability of trust. And so he knows this. He knows that if he can build trust in a relationship, that everything else will take care of itself. 
right? Because every conversation you have with a prospect or a customer, it's either building trust or it's eroding trust. Well, the interesting thing is dad wrote in his book, uh, Secrets of Closing the Sale, I think it came out in 1978. He said there were five reasons that people don't buy. No need, no want, no hurry, no money, and no trust. trust. And the biggest of these is trust. Right. So isn't it interesting in a more skeptical society, which I think the Internet has produced, that the number one thing that we got to guard and protect is exactly the number one thing when I started in sales in the early 90s and when Dad started in sales in the 40s. It's, well, it's, it's, yeah, and I think you, you look at it the way a lot of the sales organizations are structured these days, especially, let's say, with uh, sales development reps and a sales development team. They're trying to sell that first meeting and so on. And everybody sort of thinks there's you know, all this automation of follow-up and process, but at the end of the day, it's still a person talking to a person. Absolutely. The, where the Internet uh, gets in the way is people use it as a crutch or they confuse activity with accomplishment. I'm a big believer we should do research before we go in to talk to the client. The Internet's great for that. LinkedIn connections, uh, referrals, references, testimonials, validation, uh, the credibility uh, pieces, things that can give value at no cost. Those are all fantastic things. But they should enhance the face-to-face meeting or the phone meeting. They shouldn't replace it. So here we are in the first week of January. People are sort of evaluating what they're going to do in the new year. So what, you know, for managers, you know, what's, what's the two most important things they should really be thinking about, sales managers, sales leaders, in this first week of the year? <laughs> Well, let's see. It's funny because is it only two or is well, it <laughs> you get two today. <laughs> so here's here are the two that I would do. Uh, and the first thing is is something that I'm working on because uh, I go around and present. and And this this question was asked to me at a large event. Uh, I take questions, and and this gentleman. This was in Australia. I was doing an event in uh, Melbourne, Australia. And this gentleman asked me the question. He said, what is the fastest way to success? And it was a general question, but it's probably the best question I've ever heard, and I've never been asked before. I've been doing this for, I say, 50 years because that's sure, how old. Sure, sure. But nobody had ever asked me, Tom, what's the fastest way to success? And so I didn't have a pat answer. So just out of my mouth came these words, the fastest way to success is to replace a bad habit with a good habit. And you can go in every area of life and it's true. I mean, if you drink soft drinks and you just quit drinking two soft drinks a day and you replace it with two waters a day, two glasses of water, at the end of the year, the cumulative impact is incredible. Yeah, all those calories you've saved. And so what I would do is I would take that principle from a sales manager's perspective and I would internally go, okay, what sales manager bad habits do I have? And you might come up with five or 10 or 15. You know, everybody's different. And start with the smallest ones and just replace that little small one with a good one. Like, for example, maybe you don't have an agenda for your sales meeting that you have every Monday morning. Do you know how much, you know, the dynamic and improvement you can get in a meeting just by having an agenda? Oh, yeah, just from the way that your sales reps perceive the value of that meeting, which is huge. So you add that habit in the first week, and then the second week you add one more habit. You just replace one bad habit with a good habit. And if you do that 
the, the cumulative impact over the year. Dad used to say this. He said, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes, and earthquakes, they get all the media, all the attention, but termites do more damage. <laughs> Which is absolutely true, right? Right. Well, and so... So that's the, that's the first thing I would sure. do. Sure, okay. The second thing, uh, this is what I call the power of dream alignment, is I would have, and, and people already have this. If they don't, they're, they're a little behind schedule. But you need to have a clearly defined goal for your team for the year. And each person then has their own sales goal, their revenue goal. And it's clearly defined. But here's where it gets interesting is – you need to find out what the individual's dream is on your team. And you need to link their dream to the accomplishment of the goal. Because here's the thing, when people have dreams, and I'm talking dreams like get out of debt, buy the new car, get the lake house, save for retirement, pay for college tuition, whatever your dream is, all of those dreams cost money. And so if I'm the manager and I can constantly help my team members achieve their dream, you know, how's it going? You know, have you paid off any more on your debt? You know, what have you done here? Do you know Dave Ramsey? He's got some ideas on how to save. I mean, as a manager, if I can constantly fill somebody's dream and they believe that I'm helping them get their dream, then what happens is the motivation changes. Your team will start to come to work for a dream instead of a paycheck. But that's, I was going to ask that as a follow-up question. So, so what's the key to, and you sort of addressed it, keeping reps motivated, right? Exactly. I mean, and so you're saying it's aligning, making sure as a manager you really understand what their dreams are. Right. And this is really powerful. And it, it's funny, you know, in today's, as you said, sort of skeptical world, is you don't hear people talk about this quite as much. No, and, and it's salespeople love this. I mean, we all, if great salespeople, they, they love the competition. You know, they love competition. They Absolutely. Love, they love getting the award, but they also, they, you know, they love, you know, the idea of dreaming big. And what they really value is team members and managers and leadership in a company who will support them in their effort to get the dream. I'll give you an example. It's not a salesperson example, but it, it applies across the board. Sure. I was doing a project with the company and they, we did goal setting for the group and they, the leadership came to me and they said, you know, we've got this, this, uh, this gentleman, he works in our shop. It was a manufacturing group. He was in his mid thirties. So he was 36, but he kind of had the mentality of a 17 year old. He'd never grown up. And they said, you know, we want to promote him. We want to give him more responsibility, but we can't count on him because every now and then he just doesn't show up. And I said, okay, well, what's, what's his dream? You know, what does he really want? So they went back to him and they discovered that he wanted a motorcycle. And not only did he want a motorcycle, but it wasn't even that expensive of a motorcycle. It was like a $3,000 used bike. And I said, well, why don't you put a plan where you can help him get it? You know, so they went back to him and they said, hey, you know what? Why don't you get this? If you saved $400 a month, you could have it in seven months. And if you meet all your requirements, we'll kick in the last $500. And here's what they learned. This guy didn't have a checking or a savings account. <laughs> Nobody had ever in his family taught him how to do that. So they, right. went to the, they went to the bank. They set up a savings account. And they said, this is your money. You can get it anytime you want. But this way, we'll do automatic payroll deduct every month. 
And so what they did is they taught him the principle of living a financially sound life around the attainment of a dream. And so the message being sent was, is we're going to, we want you to work hard because that's what your job is. But more importantly, we want you to be successful in life. Well, they didn't have to motivate him anymore. No, no. And so it's really interesting to hear me or for me to hear you say that is, is that, you know, if we look at sort of a generational cross section through the workforce, you know, we got boomers and Gen X and Gen Y and millennials, you know, again, as you sort of get to the younger generations is this talk of dreams. I said, you don't hear it as much, but to me, it's as relevant, you know, as much as we talk about the way you need to manage millennials, it seems like you've really boiled this down to something that's really at the core for everybody because everybody has aspirations. Right. And they're still dreams. They're just different. You know, it's not the big house, you know, the big trip. It might be uh, Friday, you know, free, more free time to spend with my friends. Exactly. Right. And so, you know what? That's possible. Why don't we go ahead and hit your quota every week by Thursday at noon? <laughs> you know? And when you do that, let's make these things happen. So, every, you know, and it takes some, some work, but that's the reality of life is we trust people who take a personal interest in us for our benefit, not theirs. Yeah, back to the old expression, you know, we don't care what you know until we know that you care. Right. Dad had two quotes around that. He had uh, his famous one, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Right. I remember that one. And that's the way we run our business. And then he modified that quote you just said. He said, uh, he said this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care about them. Right. And that about them is what makes it personal. Yep. All right, we're going to take a short break. Now, before we go to the break, I'm going to pose a hypothetical scenario to you that I ask all my guests, and I'll take your answer when we come back from the break. And this hypothetical scenario is that you've been hired as a new sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled out, and senior management's really anxious for things to change. So what two things would you do on your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? So think about that, and we'll be back after the break with Tom Ziegler. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. My guest today is Tom Ziegler, CEO of Ziegler, Inc. So, Tom, before the break, we had talked about a scenario. You're a new sales manager, company that's sales have stalled out. First week on the job, what are the two things you could do that would have the biggest impact? <laughs> Wow. Loaded question. It is a loaded question, isn't it? Well, I kind of answered the first one. You did. Uh, and so I'm going to I'm going to say two things. Um I th I think we as a, as a manager on our first impact, we've got to lead from our strength. So I've I've met fantastic sales leaders who have different strengths. And you know, my strength is relational. So the first thing that I would do for me, if I'm doing it, 
is I would have that in-depth session with each person one-on-one and be listening mode. And then the second is I would cast the vision for the team and then elicit the dreams of my people Mm -hmm. to connect the two. And, and then, and then we would set the standard extremely high. Here's a question for you. And maybe the answer is obvious. Maybe I'm, I'm, dense today or something but but when you do the you know talk with your people about eliciting their dreams do you find value doing that in a group versus an individual one-on-one setting both very some people are very closed uh, you know they don't and so sometimes when i'm with closed people or groups or whatever I'll, I'll, i won't use the word dream over and over again i'll say what's your goal you know if you could hit a goal and, and it's funny because so in some places you go, some people have never traveled out of the state. Right. You know, so it's like, hey, you know, what would be a big deal for you? Oh, you know, if I could, you know, we live in Texas and they might say, you know, if I could go spend, you know, two nights in, in New Orleans, I've always wanted to go there and eat some good Cajun food. I'd be like, okay, let's figure that out. Research how much it costs to go do that. Right. And so now I'm getting involved in their dream and they come back and they say, hey, you know, I can fly to New Orleans. The, the airfare is two ninety seven. I can take a shuttle to the airport. I, I only need to stay in the French Quarter. You know, a hotel room is $199 a night. You know, I think I could do the whole thing for $1,000. Then I'd be like, when do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> right? Because, because together we can figure it out. Well, you know what? I think four months. If, and I'm like, let's figure out how to get you an extra 250 a month. What does that sound like? And sales is so awesome to do that in because how do we make that happen? Well, you know, I, I say I, I saw this online, and and, and Dad had a, a similar quote of this: "Your input determines your your outlook. Your outlook determines your output, and your output determines your outcome." And so the input here is hope. It's about a dream. It's about going to make this happen. So my outlook changes to optimism, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because, because now people are hearing me different in, in conversations when I'm selling of an optimistic guy versus a, you know, a, I'm kind of got a sour face or things aren't going my way kind of guy, uh, then they respond differently. So my, my outlook changes my output and my output changes my outcome. I get more sales. And so hope is the key to this. Uh, one of the things that we do is, is we work, we have, uh, we certify coaches and there's a, I call this the sequence to success. And there's three key words in this. There's, there's uh, optimism, there's creativity, and there's systems. And when people are trying to change an environment, most of the time they either try to be more creative or they try, try to change the system. system right. Right? Yep. But your creativity is shut off if you're negative because if we're negative, if our mindset is majority negative, this is bad. This could happen. I don't have enough. Then our view of the world is either fight or flight. It's that old, you know, free flex that we have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's only two doors that are open. I need to keep banging my head harder doing the same thing, which isn't working, or I need to quit altogether and run. That's fight or flight. But as soon as hope enters the door, and that person realizes, hey, the manager's here. I'm on your team. I'm going to help you do it. I'm going to give you the resources. I'm going to, I'm going to help you plan this trip out. I'm going to give you more leads. I'll be here to, to, you know, to coach you on the call. I'll go with you on the appointment. All of a sudden, the hope door opens up, and then creativity explodes. 
oh, you know, I could call that account and this account. I could get a referral from over here. You know, we need to go back to that event. There were some good people there, right? Because creativity, and then the system comes in, and that's the sales process, right? That's how we move somebody through the funnel. But until optimism and hope are born and the creativity lights it up, the system's not going to happen. I agree 100%. So I question, though, is back to those, I started talking about doing this individual in a group session, is do you ever feel that there's value in sort of group accountability when they're setting out their goals? So that, Absolutely. you know, there's peer peer accountability, peer coaching maybe even that takes place? Absolutely. And, and every, every sales uh, organization is structured a little bit different. It can be very effective depending on the way the compensation structures are, are put in place. If you have a team and the team has a goal and each member of the team has an individual goal, there is a, a, a great accountability structure to where you have weekly uh, updates from each team member on how they're advancing on their own goal and then have a team award of some kind. I mean, it could be ceremonial. It could be a dinner. It could be, you know, the monetary value doesn't have to be that big. It can be if you want it to. But just the recognition is important. That, hey, you know what? If we hit our team goal, man, we're going to take Friday off and we're going to go golf or we're going to go bowl or we're going to, you know, we're going to have a party or or we're going to give every we're going to give everybody you know fifty dollars certificates to go eat wherever you want you know that kind of a thing and so you look around and three weeks into the month you know you got a couple of people who are behind on their goal in a true team environment the other people on the team would be like hey what can we do how can we help right could we you know can we support an account for you you know could we back you up because unless we all hit our individual goals we don't get the team goal mm-hmm mm-hmm and so that's how it could be very, very beneficial. Uh, it's also something to, to seriously think through because you can create some dynamics if your if your team structure and compensation plan aren't aligned correctly. You know, you can also create some challenges that way. I've done it before effectively. I I love to do that. Okay, well, let's switch to a slightly different topic now. At the beginning of the year, one of my you know passions are. You know, educating salespeople, you know, investing in their professional development, both as an employer and as the employee taking responsibility themselves. So what guidance do you provide to companies in terms of, you know, what percentage of their revenue budget should they allocate to development of their sales team? <laughs> percentage of revenue. Well, however you measure it. I mean, yeah. and I know some companies do it that way, but what do you use as a measure? I mean, what's a good benchmark for companies? Because it seems to me that's continually underinvesting in people and that yeah. people people themselves underinvest in themselves, and we'll talk about that too. Yeah. You know, uh, personally, I think an individual salesperson, if the majority of their income is off of, off of sales, off of the completion of a sale, an individual salesperson should take anywhere from 3 to 5% of their personal income and reinvest it back into themselves. This is on top of whatever the company does. And there seems to be this issue that I encounter more and more is that sales reps seem to think it's really solely the responsibility of the company to train them and develop them. And they don't really see that personal responsibility. Yeah, and they will always be average salespeople. So if you look at the top performers in any industry, there are, there are three things that I judge a top performer on, or anybody. And this is a quick scenario. If you're a sales manager, you can use this, and you can do a quick evaluation of anybody on your team. Performance is a formula. Attitude times effort times skill equals performance, right? So think about this. Your attitude times your effort times your skill equals your output. 
So in a normal work environment, normal people, the norm, you know, attitude is, you know, mainly positive. So we'll give that a two. Effort is whatever the boss tells me to do. So we'll give that a two. Skill, man, it's the training they provide. So we'll give that a two. Two times two times two equals eight. That's the output. Performance level is an eight. That's an output. And that mentality is the employee, the salesperson saying, hey, you know what? My attitude is, depends on the boss. My effort depends on the work they give me and the requirements they have. And the skill that, that, you know, that I have is the training they provided. The top performers out there, there are three at each level. Their attitude is up to them. They could care less if anybody else on the team is having a good day or a bad day. They're going to have a good day no matter what. They put their Zig Ziglar CD in the car on the way into work, right? They have their support group, the people who lift them up. Their effort, you know what? If everybody else is doing 10 unit, you know, 10 activities a day, I'm going to do 15. What's the best in the industry doing? So they own their effort and their skill. You know, it's great the company provides training, but there's always additional training I can go get. I can read books. I can talk to experts. I can go online with webinars, all these different things. Here's the crazy thing. Three times three times three is 27. So when you look at the statistics and you look at the top 5% in any industry in sales and you wonder why the top 5% out earn the average three, four, five, six, seven times to one, it's because they own their effort, their attitude, and their skill. They don't depend on somebody else to give it to them. Great advice. Great, great advice. Well, good. Well, Tom, we're going to move into the last segment of the show and transitional. But I've got some rapid-fire questions for you. You can give me one-word answers, or you can uh, elaborate if you wish. So, here we go. First one: What's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? Your integrity. Name one tool you use for sales management that you can't live without. <laughs> My performance planner. Okay. Is there a specific brand name? The Ziegler Performance Planner. The Ziegler Performance Planner. Okay, excellent. <laughs> And we'll, we'll give you an opportunity to tell people where to find that. So, um, so besides your father, or in addition to your father, who's been your sales role model? From a philosophy standpoint, uh, he's more of a marketing guy, uh, but it's definitely uh, Seth Godin. Seth Godin. Excellent. Do you have one book of his in particular you recommend? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I like them all. Um, Permission Marketing, uh, The Purple Cow. And I'm going to think of it tribes, and I keep thinking of. I have to look for it. It's on my desk. Anyway, all right. Those good selections. Anyway, all of them. All of them are good. Seth Godin. So, other than Seth Godin, what's one book that every salesperson should read? Uh, there's two. I'll give you two by uh, other than Zig Ziglar books. Rabbi Daniel Lappin has written two great books. Uh, one of them is Thou Shall Prosper. And the other is Business Secrets of the Bible. And foundationally fantastic books on how money works, uh, the transfer of value, and how to create wealth, and why sales is such the key ingredient. Okay, perfect. So do you have a favorite music to listen to to sort of you know, pump yourself up for an important <laughs> meeting or call? I'm not a music guy, so the answer is no. Not a music guy, okay, good. So what's the first sales activity you do every day? The first sales activity, uh, I do a time capsule every morning and I plan my day. Okay. Last question for you. 
what's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? God, that's a great, that's a great one. What do salespeople ask me? Well, what's the, what's the secret to successful sales? And what's, your, an, what's your answer? Well, I'd start, I, I give them what I've said on this. It starts with your integrity, and then I use that performance formula. Right. Attitude, effort, and skill. Attitude, effort, and skill. Love it. Okay, so how can people find out more about you? Real easy. We're at Ziggler.com. And we have all our information there. Uh, we have a fantastic Facebook page. We've got almost 4 million likes on it at The Zig Ziglar. So if you're looking for inspiration, articles, uh, free information there. And we have a podcast uh, called The Ziglar Show. So we're not sales specific in any of these, but we definitely support salespeople. And we've been doing sales uh, support and training for, for decades now. Decades, yeah. And I encourage, <clears throat> excuse me, and I encourage people that have, have never had the opportunity to listen to Zig Ziglar or see a presentation online or uh, read one of his books is, you know, the advice is timeless and something that everybody can put to use in their own selling. So I really encourage people to go out and take advantage of that. And Tom, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And subscribing to this podcast is certainly a way you can do that. Make sure you don't miss any conversations with leading business experts like our guest today, Tom Ziegler, who share their expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.